Welcome to the Club and Country Podcast, the podcast of record for Nashville SC. Coverage brought to you by the two people who've covered the club longer than anyone else in their respective disciplines. And no, I am still not Wes Bowling. I am Braden Gall, of course, honored to be here filling in for Wes. You can get to me on Twitter.com at Braden Gall. I'm Tim Sullivan, uh, the proprietor of ClubCountryUSA.com. I'm sad that you are still not Wes. Uh, hoping, Wes <laughs> hoping Wes can make it back to us soon enough. Aren't we all? Uh, that other voice you heard is a scab uh, that we're bringing in for this episode. Steve Cavendish hey, of hey, the hey, National hey, Banner. Hey, hey, hey. Welcome to the hey, show, Steve. I would never scab. I would never scab. Stop that right now. As the only person on this uh, podcast who has actually walked the picket line, I'm just telling you. Are you done? There you go. You can follow him on Twitter, Instagram, wherever else you want to follow him at, at Scavendish. I'll do that part for you. Uh, and we're off and running here. Obviously, a huge first weekend, very newsy first weekend of action for Nashville and C and the boys in gold. They open up Geodas Park with a nil-nil draw against the Red Bulls with like half of their starting roster following a 3 nothing win in the CONCACAF Champions Cup on Thursday evening over Mocha DR. So we'll get into all of that where all of the offensive players for the team got hurt uh, and one five-year-old with the last name Gall, very disappointed about it on Sunday when she showed up to Geodas Park. But we'll get into all of that, of course. What does it mean? How do we? How should fans take away from the first weekend of action where they do get two results, but not not super exciting soccer on Sunday evening uh, at Geodas Park? So we'll get into that. Ton of mailbag questions from all of you guys about their form and about their depth and about their strategy this year. We'll get into that as well. Uh, but of course, before we do, Tim Sullivan, club and country is brought to you by the wonderful and amazing folks at ML Rose. And uh, they have locations all throughout Nashville, the primary location that we talk about. And we will have we will have somebody else step in and give you the reason why it's the primary location that we talk about later in the show when we talk about ML Rose again. But the 8th South location, um, very convenient to Geodas Park. Um, shout, shout out to uh, a little tease by myself there <laughs> to to the uh, to the listener who who is going to drop the the usual, uh, the usual factoid that I give when talking about exactly how close it is to Geodas Park. But um, thank you for the for the burgers and the beer, as as we always thank ML Rose for uh, sponsoring the show. Yeah, great tap selection. Of course, they take it very very seriously uh, when they select their beers. That's a big part of who they are and how they've built their brand in this market, taking care of their their community, their uh, their their audience, but also. Like each neighborhood, each tap is different. Each each restaurant is different in all their different locations, making sure that the flavor palette of the neighborhood is reflected on the tap line. So great beers, great fries. As I mentioned last week, one of the best dipping ranch sauces in the entire city. It's very underrated. Very underrated, the ranch dipping sauce at M.O. Rose. So make sure you check that out. Of course, we are also brought to you by our great friends at Bearded Iris. We'll tell you more about that later on with our tap of the week. Okay, let's let's get into the weekend broadly, boys. I just want to ask in general. The team does get a result. They do get a win in in the CCC, uh, the CCL, whatever is your flavor. And CCL. they adva- the CCL. How style is CCL still. <laughs> they they get a win. Hani Mukhtar scores, Sam Surge scores, but both are injured. Uh, that of course means that neither play against the Red Bulls on Sunday in the home opener of the MLS schedule. Uh, and again, as I mentioned, I was down there in warm up. I did not tell my five year old daughter, of course, about the injuries. And we're, we're down there in warm ups and in, on the first row. And in less than about two minutes, she goes, Dad, I, I can't find Honey Mukhtar. I was like, let me let me tell you a story, honey. Uh, and and so <laughs> uh, and then we proceeded to watch about 75 minutes of extremely boring offensive soccer. Walker Zimmerman, of course, does not play in the first half. He comes on in the second half as well. We did see some new faces at Geodis. Of course, a, a lot of the new players drew Yearwood as well as Tyler Davis and his extremely well-tucked-in shirt. Um, oh, boy. 
Tyler, when I say Tyler Davis, Tyler yeah. Davis, you're, you're mixing him with Sean Davis. Just that would be quite the player, actually. <laughs> Tyler Boyd, not to be confused with Tyler Boyd, wide receiver for the Cincinnati Bengals. Um, no, Tyler Boyd, Tyler Boyd in his extremely well tucked in shirt, which is, of course, his thing. So we saw some new pieces. So broadly, boys, Tim, I'll start with you. How mm-hmm. should fans and how do you react to the first weekend of action? Yeah, against Mocha, it was exactly what you asked for. In fact, it was more than you asked for. You pretty much just want to get out of the Caribbean with a result. Even even like a 1 or 2-0 losses, as you and I talked about last week, Braden, was probably good enough because you are you are going to be able to name your score against this team at home if you need to. Um, Nashville didn't want to lose 4-0 like Austin did in DR last year, but um, they, they went out and, and did more than that. And uh, I think it gives them the opportunity to be much more cautious with the guys who got hurt. I think if it was a situation where they were needing to come back from a deficit, you'd be more likely to see Hani Mukhtar and Sam Surridge on, on Wednesday. So that's good. Uh, the injuries really impacted Saturday or Sunday's match. Excuse me. There's no two ways about it. It was, it was a bad soccer. Uh, and you don't want to say that Nashville is a team that, that can only play bad soccer if they don't have Hani Mukhtar. I think some members of the Nashville fan base and or community would contend that that is in fact the case, that Nashville can only play bad soccer if they don't have Hani. But realistically, Nashville looked at what they had available and said, we are going to go scrape out a draw and that's all we are going to go for. Maybe if, if it's still to play for in the second half, we'll try and put on some reinforcements and get a result. They did try to do that. It was too little too late. Um, you know, the zero zero is is what they were going for on on the day, and it's not fun to watch. I think I think anybody who who either tuned in on Apple TV or was in Geodas Park yesterday would kind of agree that it was not the greatest soccer. Um, but they 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 accomplished one point in the standings, and that's what they were going for. Uh, I I think it's fair to say you wish that they would go for more. The difference between zero points and one point is is only half as big as the difference between one point and three points. So um, it is a situation where the amount that you're risking is not as much as the amount that you can gain. But um, I think we've seen over the past seven years that Gary Smith doesn't see it that way. So it's irrelevant. I think I think at some point during halftime, I, I put on Twitter, I, I wouldn't call this game unwatchable. I just know that I would never want to watch that half of, of, of soccer again. It was... <laughs> At one point, uh, at one point, the uh, like there towards the end of the half, Nashville SC's XG was 0. 0.03, which is, yeah. which is basically, and, and so it, it was, it was, it was a rough, rough, uh, it was a rough, rough watch. That having been said, you know, you're missing like your top five players, right? I mean, mm-hmm. Godoy was not on the field until until well into the second half. Randall Leal was 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 not was not available. Uh, Serge, Hani, and Zimmerman were all out. Zimmerman comes on in the in the, you know in the 60th minute, uh, and I know I know they're trying to they don't want they they got a they got a closed door game apparently last week and Zimmerman looked good in it so they felt they felt like he could he could give them you know 30 minutes, but it, it it's there's not much out there to watch when those guys are not on the field. And it was, man, it was, it was tough. I will say this, having said that, I would feel much worse about this if I were the Red, if I were a Red Bull fan than, than a Nashville fan, because man, that Red Bull team looked, I mean, that, that, that is not as, if they're going to continue to play like this, this year, that is, that is not going to be a fun team to watch either. I mean, 
they 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 could not converge. They just yeah yeah. I, I think there's something to be said for for the XG deficit, and obviously it doesn't matter uh, for that match. You know that Nashville got pasted in XG, and it it doesn't mean Red Bulls come away with three points. It does mean that going forward, you're more likely to to see the Red Bull score some goals. It's there's an element of luck that goes into failing to score that that uh, profoundly. So <laughs> the the Red Bulls are never going to be a great team to watch. <laughs> I think I think if you're not a fan of the of the Red Bull style soccer, you are just going to have to put up with it. The hope has always been, and and unfortunately for them, they haven't had consistent. Uh, ability to find this a player that can actually turn their opportunities into goals and that's maybe they still don't have that but i think um i, I wouldn't be too discouraged other than the number of points that you got because that was frankly a, a dominating performance by the red bulls yeah they they didn't have a lot of like clean opportunities but they put a lot of stuff on almost on frame <laughs> mm-hmm. and the almost on frame <laughs> part, onto the frame onto the frame to the frame uh, the, the frame border uh but it was I mean, some of those, you know, another match, a couple of inches here, a couple of inches there, it's a two nothing loss. So mm-hmm. it, uh, to, to your point, but they did not have a lot of clean offensive possession and, and, and sort of yeah. breaking down a defense. Red Bulls, baby. Yeah, exactly. Um, let me, let me get you guys thoughts going back to the Thursday evening match. Is, is that the starting 11 you expect to see for the majority of the season, the majority of the first half until a move is made? We, you know, we know that there's a chance that, you know, some new pieces could, grow their way into the starting rotation. What, what do you guys make of the, what Gary Smith deployed on Thursday evening? Yeah, I think it's, it's close to a first choice team. I think you'll more likely see tactical differences in how guys are deployed than you will see personnel differences. Um, obviously Dan Lovitz and Walker Zimmerman are our first choice players when they're available, but those might be the only guys that were, that were, you know, starting nine. And then those two are the, are the difference to make it 11. Yeah, I, I I would agree with that. And what I would, although I would, I will say this, uh, I thought I thought Taylor Washington had a was one of the few people that I I enjoyed watching him play <laughs> on uh on Sunday. Uh, I I thought he did a pretty creditable job, kind of especially when they went to three at the back and he was buzzing up and down that wing. Uh, not that there was a ton of end product from it, but I never really expect that much end product from him. Um, but but I I thought. I thought he did a he did a a fairly decent job, and I was I was I was glad to see him deputizing well here at the beginning of the at the beginning of the season. And mm-hmm. you know, it, it you know Lovitz is Lovitz is not a spring chicken anymore. And my guess is we're gonna see we're gonna see some squad rotation between if they're in multiple cup competitions throughout the year. But but yeah, nine out of eleven on the field on Thursday night. Uh, and I was and I'm glad that glad it was, you know, they went out and they went out and did the deed and, 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 and they're, they're sitting on a, on a, on a pretty much insurmountable number here yeah. uh, before Wednesday night's game, man, Washington, that typical Gary Smith wing who covers a whole lot of ground. Uh, there's no question about that. Uh, what, what do you make of the decision to leave the players in? Honey gets hurt. Uh, this is all hindsight. Hindsight, of course, is perfect. You can always look back and say, Oh, would have, could have, should have, but, Hani gets hurt, of course, in the 30th minute after scoring. Surge gets hurt in the second half. I believe it was two nothing at halftime. Any anything you would have done differently in in management of that match at all? Can you can you predict somebody getting hurt? Uh, that's the thing. Even if you were only going to play him a half, and ma- and maybe you maybe you had to play Surge a little bit longer in the second half. But Hani going down the first half is yeah. not something that you can ever yeah. kind of 
predict. All you can do is like send him out there in bubble wrap if you want yeah. to. But and then the nature of Surge's in- injury, where he comes down on his elbow and and kind of you know pops his shoulder most likely, or or at least strains the the shoulder is. It's not something that you see regularly, regardless. I don't think it's something that is that is, um, you know, predictable at the, at that point. Given the fact that if a player is on the field, he has the opportunity to get hurt. I guess there's an argument for it, but I really don't think, um, unless it's a situation where you have like unlimited subs, it's not a friendly where you have, where you do have that available. Yeah. Um, you don't want you don't want to to use them just to get guys off the field in case you you know have later injuries or or uh, a situation where guys just completely run out of gas. Well, and the update, of course, is that Hani Mukhtar could be available as soon as this week and that Mm -hmm. Sam Surridge could be available as soon as maybe next week or maybe even earlier. So uh, all in all, guys, and this is sort of ultimately where I I went on quite an emotional journey Sunday evening uh, (laughs) and Monday morning, which is I was my daughter was sort of like blah about the game. And I was sort of like, man, that was hard to watch. The last 10 or 12 minutes were, were very entertaining. We had kind of gotten closer to the action and down on that end of the stadium and we had a lot of fun. The crowd got into it. A couple of really nice uh, opportunities, a couple of corners. So the offense did pick up there in the last 12 to 15 minutes. That was fun and inter- enjoyable. But I walked out just being like, ah, man, that was they are extremely honey dependent again this year. But after kind of taking a second and stepping back from it, being like, all right, you lose your two best offensive weapons, potentially. You don't have your captain on the back line. You still got to win on Thursday night, and you still came out of this with a draw. If you're thinking big picture for the entire course of the season, you kind of have to go, all right, all right, I'm not as upset as I was when I walked out of the building on Sunday evening. Sounds like you yeah. both agree. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so then what do we think about the uh, the refs? There was one extraordinarily bad call, uh, and there, there were many, of course, but the one, it was in the second half, and it was basically, I think it was Shaq Moore, tracking back on a ball where he like clear he clears it clearly off of the off of a Red Bull player it goes out of bounds on the end line he calls it a corner kick which leads to a legitimate scoring opportunity for the Red Bulls but that's just like one of many that I remember I mean is this just what yeah, we got to be the, we got to be used the to this rescinded red card is is the big one um I you know Wes and I always encourage our listeners to give grace to the officials that's even more so the case when they are um, not the guys primarily responsible for their being out there, um, because because of the strike. Um, yes, they have they have chosen to break a, a picket line essentially by by refing matches. But I think once the once the opening whistle blows and they're on the pitch, they are the guys who are on the pitch, and they are there for whatever reasons they are there. They are not the first choice. Um, and you know, extending some grace to them is 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 still the uh, the house policy of of club and country, I guess. <laughs> they had nothing to do with the outcome in theory. So, right. And I would be interested. I haven't gone back and looked at sort of kind of refereeing across uh, MLS over the weekend. Uh, or or uh, there, there were a couple of people who were talking about like kind of doing an analysis of, of, of kind of how these referees held up. Uh, and, and that's, and that's something certainly to watch if there's, this is a leverage game right now. And if these guys are doing okay, uh, it gives, it gives the 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 current state of locked out referees uh, uh, it gives them like a little less leverage. If these guys uh, start throwing stars out of games and and doing terrible things, then uh, you may see that you may see a much quicker settlement. But uh, you know this this referee was the same guy who refereed the opening night game of Miami against RSL, and I think what I think what they've identified is a pool of. Pool of people, and they're gonna they're gonna lean on them pretty hard. 
mm-hmm. uh, the, the, the best ones that they've got. Uh, they're going to lean on them pretty hard to, to, to do as many matches as possible because the, the pool, if the pool were that spectacularly deep, uh, we wouldn't necessarily be complaining as much as we do about MLS refereeing throughout the year, which I know is not the, uh, the stated policy, the stated yeah. grace policy. Listen, here, uh, my one of my <laughs> theses here is people people complain about the refs because they're the refs that they see. I think MLS refs are are among the best in the world, honestly, on a, on a typical basis. Um, they probably deserve to to have a, a fair contract offered to them by a pro. But um, yeah, like if you watch if you watch Premier League, and Steve, I know you watch a ton of Premier League. Their refs suck too. <laughs> it's not it's not that MLS <laughs> oh, is specifically bad yeah. on, on the average. I mean the 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 pressure that the pressure that these guys are under is is tremendous and 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 what I would say I would say that even for an MLS game, uh, because I mean the you know it was full house it was full house here in Nashville uh, and there were parts there were times that it was loud and rowdy and they were definitely letting the ref know what they thought of his of the of his performance so that's a that's a tough situation to be in and these guys you know. Yep. They didn't. They didn't decide the game, and uh, right now, that's 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 what I'm. That's all I'm taking away is yeah. just don't let these guys decide yeah. a game. Uh, my my five year old has exquisite taste in burgers and food. She loves ML Rose. Uh, she also has exquisite taste in chants. And maybe I'm a good father. Maybe I'm a terrible father. But I let her scream. Refs, you suck multiple times. She had a field day with that one. <laughs> a, am I a bad father for letting her join that chant? <laughs> that's not why you're a bad father. No. Oh, oh! Thank you, Tim. <laughs> thank you, Tim, for that. Uh, to be fair, I did look at her during the chant, and I was like, "I was like, honey, that's not very nice." And then I pause and I go, "But they're not wrong." <laughs> yeah. If it's accurate, you can't complain. <laughs> that's right. It's like, uh, sorry, you're kind of right here, honey. Like you might have gotten it right. Um, so uh, there you go. I think all in all, you can you can have your emotional reaction to some difficult at times to watch soccer on Sunday evening. Uh, but the but season is long. No panic. Don't panic very long season. Everything's going to be okay. All right. So we got a lot of questions still to go with your mailbag here. We've got a lot of folks asking about personnel choices, about strategy, about what to do with the injuries. So we're going to get to all those. We'll let Tim answer all those questions coming up uh, in just a second. However, it is time, Tim, for our tap of the week brought to you by Bearded Iris. Yeah, absolutely. And this week, the tap of the week is their Kolsch. It's the Artful Dodger. It is not, if as we record, it is not on, on draft yet. By the time you are listening, it almost certainly will be. It's as smooth and crisp as a fresh-pressed shirt. Hollertau middle fru hops and German Pilsner malt work in tandem to create a quietly captivating unfiltered Kolsch. The Artful Dodger is softly floral with a sly spice and a hint of ripe Asian pear. Um, as I mentioned, the beer is going to be on tomorrow. That is Tuesday. So uh, by the time most of you are listening to this podcast, it is uh, going to be available at the uh, West Nashville Tap Room that is right on Charlotte Ave at Sylvan Supply Building. All right, Steve, before you tell us your tap of the week, you have to read the description of the Artful Dodger. <laughs> All right. I've actually been practicing this. You ready? Hallertau Middlefro. Yeah, it's, that's good enough. Close enough. That's 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 acceptable. Yeah. I mean, not if you're German, but uh, uh, <laughs> all of our German if, listeners if, are turning it off right now. Like, as you say, if, uh, if Eric Schulzer happens to be listening to this podcast, I apologize for butchering <laughs> your native tongue. <laughs> he still hasn't read it yet. Smooth, I did. Smooth and crisp as oh, a fresh pressed. Okay. Oh, you want me to do the whole read? Oh, okay. Tau Mittelfro hops and German Pilsner malt work in tandem to create a quietly captivating, unfiltered Kolsch. The Artful Dodger is softly floral, much like a teal Bunbury touch, 
with a sly <laughs> spice and hint of ripe Asian pear. Beer is available at the Sylvan Supply on Charlotte Avenue, the west location of Bearded Iris. And that is your tap of the week. That's how you do it, Kat. All right, my, my Nashville tap of the week now is going to <laughs> Nashville SC tap of the week, I should <laughs> specify, is, is going to go to the posts thrice on Sunday afternoon. They saved <laughs> Nashville's bacon. Uh, so the tap of the week, I will be I'll be providing my tap to the hosts of the Nashville goal. My tap of the week goes to the XG calculator. Uh, <laughs> that was, that the Opti guys were running in the press box uh, at Geodas Park. Um, you guys had the week off. And so uh, hope you're rested and, and uh, ready for the rest of the season. Maybe Wednesday night, uh, you'll you'll get a little bit more of a workout, but but congratulations on having a uh, having a having a nice light night to start the uh, or light light afternoon to to start the season. My tap of the week goes to the softly floral teal bunbury taps <laughs> in the in the attacking third. Uh, he had multiple opportunities to sort of continue run of play, and he attempted these little these little incredibly delicate taps, these very complicated nuanced moves that I'm just not sure he or the rest of the team is capable of doing. And it did cost them a few possessions where the entire crowd was just like, oh, come on. <laughs> so uh, maybe a little bit more tapping from Teal Bunbury moving forward. Just a little bit more e- effort on those taps. It was, just, it was very frustrating. But anyway, go check out a smooth and crisp as a fresh press shirt. Hollertal, <laughs> middle through hops and German. I, I like how it's the fresh press shirt that you can't say. It's I, not the German <laughs> words. It's the fresh press shirt. Well, I'm like 14, 16th German, so I should be able to say the Germans. <laughs> so, uh, okay. Uh, there you go. Check out Bearded Iris, the tap room over there, Sylvan Supply on the west side of town. Great place to swing by on your way out from, on your way home from work uh, on an afternoon. Um, and obviously great supporters of Nashville SC, as is ML Rose. Okay. You want to jump into the mailbag here, boys? Let's, Let's do it. Do it. Uh, first up here, Nate, Nathan Jones, would the outcome have changed with different personnel choices or is that draw just a product of the early season New York at New York Red? I like how he tagged the Red Bulls yeah. <laughs> just to make sure it's just so they, they, they would know to listen to this episode. Um, I, I, I mean, I depends on how you define choices like Hani Mukhtar and Sam Surridge were not choices. Uh, if they were available, it would have been a very different game. So uh, based on who was available, uh, I guess Zimmerman and Godoy did change the game when they come on. So from that perspective, yes, it, it could have been different. Realistically, they did not have, you know, 65 minutes in them. And Gary Smith is not going to start somebody who he doesn't think can go 65 minutes. So um, in terms of what choices he actually had to make, I don't think there really were any. But had he had a fully available roster, it would have been a completely different game. Uh, let me, Tim. Let me ask you along the, mm-hmm. along those lines. What do you think about in terms of like patterns of play? How how they how they change without having Hani, particularly who who tends to come back deep, yeah, uh, and 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 Sam up top. How that how does that change kind of what you see on the field? Because I mean, you you had you had Tyler Boyd mm-hmm. out there doing his best Hani kind of impersonation, uh, and then uh, and then. Uh, Bunbury up top. What, what do you what do you think? What what does that do to kind of like the the flow of a team? Because yeah, it, it, it was it, the first half they were struggling hard. Yeah, I think uh, the big thing is that Honey is such an impeccable uh, transition player, and if you don't have him, you are worse in transition. Surridge is a good player in forcing the opponent to drop their center backs a little bit deeper, so you have more space to play that transition in. So the combination of not having either of them took Nashville out of its out of its you know 
a one choice of how they want to play. Um, I don't, I don't necessarily think that the a two choice is, is something that maybe Boyd is completely comfortable with. It's not something that Bunbury necessarily excels in. So um, you end up with a lot more wide play. You end up with a guy who doesn't have the ability to kind of push the ball forward and make the right decision. I, I think I've made it very clear that I think Tyler Boyd is a really good player. He's going to be a really good player for Nashville. He's the closest thing that they have had ever to a Hani Mukhtar kind of knockoff. Uh, and he's going to be a good player in that role in future instances when Mukhtar is not available. When you don't have Surridge, you don't have you don't create that space that allows somebody like Boyd, who doesn't quite have that that top level that Hani has in the same sort of skill set, to provide the same sort of things that Hani would. It, it did feel like Tyler Boyd pressed a lot in the first half, and and therefore made a few mistakes. But then, of course, you get a better supporting cast in the second half. You get some momentum. You come. You settle in. And you could see some of that start to flourish a little bit again last 15 minutes as, as best anybody could. Uh, Hunter Welcher asks, I kind of hope Hani doesn't come back Wednesday. Maybe have him as a, quote, break glass in case of emergency option. Let him rest for however little time he has to rest. Thoughts on playing Hani? When's the next opportunity you would put him in the lineup? Yeah, I think Wednesday you, you put him on the bench and, and you assume that you aren't going to need him. Uh, maybe he gets, you know, 15 minutes if he's feeling good and you want to make sure he stays physically sharp. Uh, but yeah, save save him for league play. You should not need him with a 3-0 lead against Mocha. It's it's really is that simple. Hunter, you got it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, no, no honey. No, no, no honey. I, don't, I, I just don't I don't want to. I would rather see, you know, I would rather see I'd rather see a kid. Yeah. I'd rather see. Yeah, my, my so, only issue. Just, my only but, issue is you just don't want him to to get out of form, and he is somebody that needs to play a lot to be in form. So if he's if he's well enough to play at least a little bit, you know, keeping him sharp is the, is the only reason I play him. And to be clear, Hani wants to play. I mean, yeah, this is this is what we've seen. If he's if he's he's one of those guys. Walker Zimmerman is, is the same way. If he's close, he's going to insist on playing. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> I, I like I like that in my players, guys. Uh, Thomas Porter asks, is there a health or contract status update on Nick Depew? Yeah, I answered this on Twitter really quickly and then realized, oh, wait, we need to save this for the mailbag. Uh, I mean, <laughs> Nick, Nick, Nick Depew was was uh, was they they declined his contract option as of like the November 30. So he's yeah. not with the club um, and, and I can't find him on a roster anywhere. So I mean, maybe he's out there searching for. Yeah, I mean, he trained. He trained in the preseason, and people um, kind of assumed that meant he was going to resign. But Nashville has has pretty much done that every single year. They've they've brought guys who are departing players of the roster on preseason with them, and and there's a chance that those guys can earn a contract. Uh, but you know, when you look at the signing of Brent Coleman, for example, it seems like they they said, okay, we've got a guy who's going to fill that role, that backup role at center back, and and it's not going to be Nick DePio. So we give Thomas Porter a second one here and one that really gets Tim Sullivan all hot and bothered. Um, <laughs> Thomas Porter says, <laughs> Thomas, Thomas Porter says MLB has rules about the number of seasons in which players can promote and demote within a season between the minor and major leagues. After five DFAs, the player can sign elsewhere. Are there any rules or consequences to utilizing Huntsville signings in the CCC slash L? Yeah, so the there are two different things. And the fact that he asked about CONCACAF Champions League, thank you, CONCACAF, for, for getting your own, the, the name of your own uh, competition incorrect. Um, you, you can use guys who are members of your organization, um, you know, basically unlimited in non-MLS competition. 
So League's Cup is the same too. And, and Wes and I were complaining a lot last summer about how they didn't use more of the depth in the League's Cup matches. Of course, at a certain point, it got it got to a stage where they were really competing to win it and they came very close to doing so. So it made a little bit more sense. But um, yeah, in in uh, US Open Cup, uh, God only knows what, what uh, MLS is actually going to end up doing with US Open Cup. But um, we'll see. We'll see how that goes. But um, in terms of of league play, you can only sign guys uh, in except in case of extreme hardship. You can only sign guys from your second team to a I believe it's a four day contract. So basically for one or two games. And you can only do that a couple times a season. Um, so it is a situation where if it is going to be a guy that you want to use for league play, it is something that that is very limited. In instances where it is not, um, where it is not for league play, it doesn't really matter. So it, that that's the the simplest way to put it. There's a little bit. There's details in terms of who you can. They have to be under 25. Basically, everybody who plays for Huntsville is under 25. Those sorts of those sorts of stipulations are not going to become relevant to Nashville for league play, and and hopefully not. Um, hopefully not something that Nashville you know gets to that extreme hardship point and and needs to do some of that stuff. There you go. Not only did Thomas Porter get two questions, but he got it answered in podcast form and Twitter form as well. Uh, <laughs> all right. Jared Siemens on the podcast says uh, on the mailbag says, was the style of play formation or tactics any different than we have seen in the past as promised it would be? Listen, Promise is doing a lot of work here. Um, Braden, you and I came on this podcast last week and said they can they'll say that every single preseason and it's going to effectively be the same. Yes, there's a little bit more pressing, but we've seen instances where there's a little bit more pressing in past seasons as well. It's not something that is going to be a consistent um, hallmark of this the way this club plays. They'll change things up a little bit. Like this diamond midfield that we have seen for most of last year is is something that was a change up, but it's still philosophically within what they want to do, which is get Hani Mukhtar in transition in front of the center back. So I don't think that you're going to see something that's completely different. I don't think you saw something that was completely different against Mocha or against the rebels. Let me, let me ask you, let me ask you like a slightly different version of this, which is, and, and, and this will, uh, and we got another mailbag question kind of coming up about this. Do you think that not having Walker in there in the first half, given like the, the formation they were playing that kind of, kind of straight four on the back, do you think the the outcome would have been any different, or do you think that uh, do do you think that that his insertion along with kind of a a formation change there in the second half uh, made made that big a difference? Yeah, I think the formation change was probably the bigger difference than the than the personnel addition. The one thing, if you have Walker Zimmerman in there and and um, he's there, you know, for ninety minutes, is set piece threat. That's going to be an important part of the way Nashville scores that. Uh, it's non honey Mukhtar goals or when honey's in and he's sometimes providing the service that, that gives you um, Walker as a set piece threat. But I think that's the main thing is if Nashville has Zimmerman available, they have a chance to nick one on a set piece. They have a chance to, to be a little bit more uh, protective of Joe Willis without having to change anything because you have a better player at center back. But I don't think his insertion saw Nashville suddenly play a lot better because of the, of the personnel change, but more so because of the philosophical change that it allowed. So that leads us into a follow-up sort of mailbag question, which is the lack of certain players. Does does a lack of certain players affect what NSC wanted to do? Obviously, but did we see anything that would hint at what we might, what they might do differently, if in fact they're fully healthy? Which is kind of a, a part of what Steve just asked, anyway. 
Yeah, I think I think a little bit more pressing. Um, you got you know we've already talked about how Tyler Boyd has that sort of energetic ability, and he is the sort of guy we haven't seen it yet, but he is the sort of guy who can, um, you know, turn that defense defensive uh, acumen high up the pitch into quick offense in a way that Nashville hasn't had. They've had guys like Alex Muil who can press and be really impressive in the way that they press but are not good attacking players. And then they have guys like Hani Mukhtar, who is obviously an exceptional offensive player, but he does not have the sort of motor where he's going to run around for 90 minutes and be that sort of offensive player. That's not an insult. Look at the best player who has ever walked this earth, Lionel Messi. He walks <laughs> around on defense constantly. You aren't, you just aren't going to use him as a 90 minute presser. Um, so I think there's, there's maybe a little bit of situational um, versatility that Nashville is going to be able to use. But I, again, I don't think it's going to be night and day from what we've seen in the past. We have seen pressing in the past. We're, maybe we'll see a little bit more of it when you have like wheel and uh, a guy like Tyler Boyd on the pitch together. But I don't think it's going to be like something that you've never seen from Nashville before. So that leads us right I, into. Go ahead. See, well, I was going to say, I was going to say best player in the world couldn't play for Red Bull. <laughs> uh, which leads us right to Logan who kind of asks and answers and then asks again in the same conversation I'd love to hear everyone's take on why the substitutions and formation change at the end seem to work so well in terms of stymieing some of their chances and finally creating a few of our own and you've mentioned a little bit more pressing Walker gives you a little bit more flexibility on the back end I, I mean is that the simple answer Tyler Boyd getting comfortable in his first game with a new team I, I mean what 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 are the answers there outside of the ones we maybe have, have already given. I mean, I, I think in the second half you saw, you, you saw a better use of width. And, and, and I think it was because they had, because they had Shaq Moore as opposed to kind of pinched in like they did in the first half. Mm -hmm. You saw him out on the, out on the sideline. You saw Schaffelberg out on the sideline, uh, I mean, I'm sorry, I saw Taylor Washington kind of out on the sideline. Uh, and, and that makes a difference. Like being able, one of the ways that, one of the ways you can combat that Red Bull press is not letting them go in packs, particularly off or like right off your back line. And yeah. when you can, when you can spread them out, it makes, it makes their pressing a bit, you know, a bit less effective. I also thought that they just, they handled the ball better yep. and, and were more deliberate about, trying to get the ball upfield. Um, you know, one of the things that missing Hani does too is like Hani can break a press carrying the ball really, really well. Uh, and Godoy coming in uh, there in the second half, you saw he can do some of that, although albeit from a deeper position, like those, th those things sort of matter as much as formation and, 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 per and personnel. I mean, sometimes, sometimes it's just like having somebody who can break, this with by themselves that opens up opportunities that you that you can see then kind of like those through ball passes that, that to Schaffelberg that we never saw on on Sunday. Yeah, I think uh, the one thing that you said there that that really resonated with me is the width because um, when Nashville doesn't have a player like Hani Mukhtar, one of the main things that they want to do is get a lot of width, and that's not just to whip in crosses, although they they will do that a lot when they don't have a guy like Mukhtar. But it also, like you mentioned, Kev, it, it makes what Red Bull wants to do more difficult to execute. They can't set those traps on you if you if your players are farther apart. They're hoping that you pass it between two guys who are close together, and then the, the two guys who who you know they converge from the second guy to the first guy. All of a sudden, he has nowhere to go. One thing that I thought was interesting is the the possession that Red Bull 
just they don't want it. They have not historically wanted it. They will literally get the ball, and if it's not close enough to your goal, they will just boot it deep and hope to to press you again into turning it over a little bit closer to your goal. But um, they're they're doing that a little bit less now. But Nashville kind of forced them to possess, and I think that made Red Bull uncomfortable. It didn't it didn't do a whole lot in the first half, which is when Red Bull possessed it more. But it made Nashville get them out of their rhythm, and then when Nashville decided to change the game by by completely altering personnel and and to a smaller extent tactics, you had a Red Bull team that was not, that does not have a lot of adjustments to make. They do what they do. They are going to be Red Bull all the time. And when you change something, it makes life a little bit more difficult for them because they don't have as many counter punches to you. So Gary's the, the possession four split. dimensional chess with just pawns is what we're saying. <laughs> <laughs> the possession split ended up being 55, 45 at the end of the game. And I was, I was surprised by that. I thought it yeah. was going to be like 60, 40 or higher to red bull. Yeah. Uh, and it's just not. And, and to, to Tim's point, I mean, that's, that's, that's the system right there. It, it was a very, very, as you said, unwatchable and slow first half, but that was the plan. It sounds like, uh, also Tim, Sam, we have a mailbag answer to a mailbag question. Sam Estes. Incredible. Yeah. Yeah, so Sam raises a good point. Um, he said the formation change happened in the first half. Shaq moved to right center back and Wheel moved from left mid to right wing back, which, again, that's that gives you that width. When you have three center backs, your your full backs become wing backs and they can play much wider. Um, he, he says that uh, he saw in the first half it was just not noticeable until until Zimmerman came on and, and more moved back to, to right wing back. Um, I think it was a little bit more just Zimmerman gives you that sort of flexibility to, to be in a, a two- uh, center back formation or be in a three center back formation um, because he can cover either amount. <laughs> and I think that that's something that, um, so I, I agree with Sam there that, that the, uh, the, the, the way that Shaq can play multiple positions and the way that Zimmerman can step in and allow him to play multiple positions in the same personnel group was an important piece of that. So obviously we do, we got one more question here. I want you guys to answer, but um, obviously special thanks to ML Rose and to bearded Iris for supporting club and country. Uh, obviously, we are all thinking about West Bowling and his family right now, slowly but surely. Uh, we'll see about the progress. We'll keep you updated on all of that. Uh, obviously, we know that Cav and myself are not what you want to hear, uh, but we're going to do everything we can to help out West Bowling hey. and, keep, and keep this show going. <laughs> nope, nope. Nope. Despite what Tim tweets, no one wants to hear what you have to say, Steve. Yes. Uh, yes. Cav and yourself are not what people want to hear. <laughs> so uh, we'll try to we'll do our best to try to keep the seat warm for Wes. And in the meantime, send all your positive wishes, your thoughts, your prayers, your feelings, your vibes, whatever it is that you send. <clears throat> make sure you send those to, to, to Wes. I know he's he's uh, he, he's constantly checking in and um, is is as positive a human being in this particular situation as I can I can ever see or remember. So keep sending all that, that stuff to him. And obviously, special thanks to ML Rose and for Beated Iris for being great partners, great sponsors of the show, uh, great supporters of Nashville SC, and you guys, the audience uh, that are trying to, that are keeping Wes and the family going right now. So uh, just, just keep that in mind. Uh, okay, last question here. Patron Saint of Coffee asks, I'm not really digging Teal as the second option to Sammy. He's on a first name base with these guys. Do you feel the same? His boy, Sammy. His boy, Sammy. Do you feel the same? Question mark. Should we start looking elsewhere to fill that role? Yeah, I mean, I, we've seen enough from Teal Bunbury to know what he is. And I think fans have a, a more visceral negative reaction when he's bad than a visceral positive reaction when he's good. The balance of it, though, is that there are more of the bad times and the good times lately. And 
Um, you know, Wes and I always joke we can we can make fun of 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 guys for being old because they're all younger than us, and you guys are even older than me. So, yeah, <laughs> so uh, yeah, it's you know the teal of six or seven years ago was somebody that you say, okay, he's going to snap out of it. I think the teal of today, you say. Maybe you do look for other options. I don't think Nashville is going to rely on him as a starter when they have the option to play Surridge. I don't think that they're going to look at a guy like a Dem Sipich as the number two, though. I think there's got to be some sort of middle ground, and I think it's it is more likely that Bunbury just exists as that bridge for the time being. Then Nashville goes out and tries to to pay to you know trade for a second striker. The other thing too is is kind of in terms of style of play. I mean, Teal with his back to the goal being this kind of post up center forward. I mean, that was, that's not Teal's, that, that that's not what you would call Teal's game over, over, over the breadth of his career. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he was, he was especially being asked to play that in the first half when, when they were just kind of under assault at their own end. And I, I was, I, I, I did, did not get a chance to be at the post game press conference, but I really wanted to ask Teal, like, how do you feel right now? Cause he, cause he was getting beat up pretty hard by their, but by, by their center backs. And uh, I would just, uh, that's a, that's a, if he's going to take that kind of beating kind of consistently, they may have to look for someone else just to, uh, just to give him a little relief until Sam can come back. But uh, I, expecting him to be, to, to, he is, he is, he's an emergency. He's an emergency center forward. I mean, mm-hmm. it, realistically, we should be expecting him to come in and like cutting in from the wing or not, but not as like a back to the, a back to the goal kind of guy. And it's just, it's just tough. He's, he's a professional doing a job right here. And I, and I, I commend him for doing it because he knows that I think he knows. And I think, I think Gary and the rest of the coaching staff know that this is not that this is not the highest best use of Teal Bunbury. Yeah. To quote the great soccer philosopher of our time, patron saint of coffee, quote, I'm not really digging Teal as the second option to Sammy. <laughs> That's all I gotta say <laughs> to that. Uh, had the ball at his feet more than one a time, more than one time, more than one occasion in scoring opportunities and didn't really do a whole lot with him uh in in the game. So is what it is. I mean he's he's been around a long time. And uh, until they get another option, it might be the only option they've got. So, but I'm not really digging it, I think is the right quote uh, <laughs> on there. So special thanks to M.O. Rose. Special thanks to Bearded Iris. Thank you, Steve Cavendish, for hanging out. Where can people find you? Uh, go to Nashville Banner. Uh, you can find all of our work there. Uh, sign up. Give us your email at, at NashvilleBanner.com, and we'll, uh, we'll, put, uh, we'll put stuff in your inbox. But uh, you can find me online at, uh, at Scavendish on all of the socials. Wow, Tim, he just like asked all of for all of your audiences like social security numbers. It's ridiculous. Uh, right <laughs> at the did. end of the show, uh, Tim. Obviously, you can. You, you, where can people find you? Everybody knows. Yeah, clubcountryusa.com at clubcountryusa on all social platforms. Easiest way to put it. Send all your love to the bowling family. My name is Braden Gall. Honored to be filling in for him for the time being. He'll be back as soon as possible. I promise you. Special thanks to ML Rose and to Bearded Iris. And uh, they didn't lose on Sunday. And, the, and all the, the best players will be back in the lineup soon enough. So otherwise, thank you guys for listening. Rate, review, subscribe, share the show. Uh, make sure you check out clubcountryusa.com. Uh, for Steve and Tim, I am Braden. Thank you guys. Have a great weekend. We'll talk to you next week. <laughs>